podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Richie. Maybe on Walker. Pew. Pew! That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bournemouth! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club. Oh, happier times. Mark Pugh, probably one of the best moments of the decade. And this is the last podcast of the decade. You lucky things. As it's Christmas, you probably haven't got a clue what day it is, but it's podcast drop day, so it's Monday. Hello, my name's Sam Davis. This is episode 72 of Back of the Net. Yeah, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Apologies, my voice sounds a little bit hoarse, and I'm trying my best to sound as normal as possible, but it is totally not working. Overindulged at the weekend, and by golly, I needed it. Um, not great on Saturday, was it? 2-0 at the Amex. Brighton completely dominated in the scoreline that, well, it didn't overly flatter them. They could have scored more. I was there, so was Jeff Hayward. He's also here too, and we're going to be going over the game and previewing also the New Year's Day fixture against West Ham United. We discuss all things AFCB. Is Eddie still the man? There's a lot of conjecture online and uh, I try not to read the forums, but it's, it's very difficult to um, bite my tongue at some comments. But you know what? Any criticism of him, I think it's due after, well, some strange decisions, I would say, at the weekend, but more about that later. We get your thoughts too. There's a bit of raw audio and also some trivia. So let's kick off with Do You Remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? So, yeah, given we're playing the iron in our next match, we want you to tell us. Who is the player that I am referencing? This player played for West Ham United between 1992 and 94. 16 appearances and 4 goals. But then he signed for AFC Bournemouth, playing between 94 and 96, making 74 appearances and scoring 25 goals. That's a decent return, isn't it? One in three. Went back to West Ham and then went to Charlton, where he did... Not as well, but he played 53 there, scoring eight. Coming back to Bournemouth during that Charlton spell on loan at the Cherries, and he netted another four. So he played for Bournemouth in two spells between 94 and 96, 25 goals the first time, four goals the second time. Who is it? I'd say it's fairly easy. We'll give you the answer at the end of the show. So just wanted to say thank you very much to everyone uh, that got in touch. Uh, Really great to have some new voices on the podcast this week. And also we include some clips from outside the Amex as well as a lot of disgruntled fans were trawling up the steps and uh, one of them wanted to get to the pub as quickly as possible. 
don't blame you, Gary. Um, and also, yeah, some raw audio too. So um, enjoy this. <laughs> Checking goal, possible offside. Checking goal. Everyone's looking at the screen. That would be well handy. Still checking at Stockley Park by the looks of it. agree with their point but if this was disallowed I'll be all over it offside it's offside well tell you what that is fortunate that's fortunate it may not be football anymore but we'll take it eh not 2-0 1-0 still in it thank the lord Five minutes ago, that shot. Hi Sam, this is Jefferson. Yesterday, started good. We went to uh, a place pre-match called The Perch on Lansing Beach. Um, had a nice breakfast there, right on the pebbles there. Very nice. Um, got to the ground, team selection. Uh, the ones that maybe raised my eyebrows were Lerma out and Stanislas in. Um, but I'm guessing with uh, five games in 15 days means some sort of rotation and use of the whole squad is necessary albeit we've got a third of the squad missing through injury Um, the game itself Brighton started fast we started slow looked like a goal was coming even before the third minute Um, later in the half we were on top I, I did say to my mate we need to get a goal during this period. Uh, unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Second half came out, weren't even in it. Made Brighton look good. Uh, reckon our man of the match was VAR. Uh, but even he couldn't stop the defeat. Uh, clearly, we're going through a difficult period at the moment. Results, injuries, some out-of-form players. But I'd say that in the stadium, there's... Still pretty much unanimous support for Eddie and the team, uh, despite what you might read on message boards, social media, etc. Um, 
on to West Ham, New Year's Day. Hopefully I'll see you out there, mate. Cheers up the cherries. Hi, my name's Danny Thomas and here are my thoughts on AFC Bournemouth. AFC Bournemouth are going through an extremely tough period at the moment. With games coming thick and fast, losing has unfortunately become a habit. The Christmas period is great if you're in form and winning games, however a total disaster if you're out of form and potentially season-defining. With so many young and inexperienced players taken to the field, we are struggling to show the grit and fight to get out of this situation. There are too many passive players who are happy to go through the motions thinking it's going to be okay in a couple of weeks. AFCB need to find something. Standards I'm sure will be pushed higher and I mean by running the furthest in games, making the most interceptions, taking the most shots, doing all the things that are going to earn the luck and the most importantly get the supporters on side. So where do we go now? We need someone who will be the first to arrive and the last to leave. Set the standards, focus on bettering what we do well, not jumping ship because we're going through a tough period. Someone who every year has seen us through tough periods within a season. Someone who all the players clearly respect and work hard for. Are you thinking of who I'm thinking? Let's get behind Eddie and his team. Up the cherries. Well, 2-0 was the absolute bare minimum they deserved. I think they were the better team throughout. The early goal caught Stone Cold, just like it did two years ago. But unlike then, we just don't look like we're going to come back. We just don't have any threat in the attacking third at all. No coherence. Wide players look like they've never played with the full-backs before. Stanislas looked like a man who hasn't played for a year, which he was. Um, just generally disappointing throughout. Midfield was dominated by Brighton. Um, Moy, we made him look like Andrea Perlo, which he's not. But he was still much better than our guys today. Billing looks like a man who needs a rest. Gosling looks like... He's had his um, little run of form, his touch letting down a number of times in the final third today. Just generally really disappointing. And so uh, Wednesday's massive now. Wasn't at all good, was it? No. Wasn't at all good. And for the first time, I'm seriously starting to question whether Eddie's the man to lead us out of this shit. Wow. Because I think his substitution's poor. It's obviously we've been overrunning midfield after five minutes. What's he thinking about? You're quite a positive. What are you thinking about? You're usually quite a positive fan, so for you to say that um, is a kind of gauge know, of how really bad it is. is for me. I mean, what went wrong today? What's been going wrong for months? I mean, you've got to look at Palace away, Burnley at home, same old, same old. Eddie's only answer seems to be take off the midfield, put people up front, leave a huge grabby gap where we can't put the ball in, and give the game away. Mental, don't get it. It's definitely been an up and down roller coaster type season for the Cherry so far. Um, you can put it down to injuries, which everyone complains about, um, lack of performance from some of the big names, underperforming from some of the big names. Um, really, it's just been a roller coaster of positive and negative performances, um, lack of consistency. A lot of that goes back to what we've seen. Um, in our starting 11. I mean, how many times this season have we started the same 11 in back-to-back games? I can't think of very many, maybe two, three matches so far through the 20. Um, The injuries definitely have played a big factor in the lack of success overall this season. Just going to keep the faith, going to hope that Eddie can turn it around, and uh, Sam... Jeff, everyone that helps on the show, keep up the great work and uh, up the cherries.
So big thank you to everyone who got in touch with the fans' thoughts, uh, especially uh, Jeff. Uh, of course, uh, you've been on the podcast before with Sean, I think. Uh, Danny Thomas, great to have a new voice on. Andy Jennings, nice to meet you outside the Amex, mate. Um, shame about the result. Gary Chapman, uh, as ever, always good to see you. And also yeah, Patrick Devitt, you heard there, the American voice from across the pond. And you can watch his video on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast, just like you can the following match analysis with Jeff. I can see him not looking too happy. Um, how are you? bit raw today. Mm, yeah, very much so. It, uh, it was a day to forget in Brighton, wasn't it? Very dark day. We didn't play well at all from the first minute to the last minute. Which is very disappointing. Mm, I've tried to not get involved too much in conversations online. I've merely been sort of echoing what other people have said. However, reading some of the fallout over Twitter and over Facebook, uh, people very unhappy. And Eddie Howes uh, in the firing line quite a lot. Um, what's your opinion on what happened yesterday? Can you put it down to anything? There are obviously excuses. We played really well against Arsenal. The team upped their game, particularly after the disappointing way in which they lost to Burnley a few days previously. Uh, it was uh, a tough game. I think it took a lot out of the players physically. Mm. You could see that some of the players who did play again yesterday were off it. They were obviously tired physically. I think playing games on that ridiculous schedule is is just for a squad so decimated by injuries as our one is isn't great. However, saying that there were a lot of players rested uh, as well. We missed Jefferson Lerma uh, massively, and it felt like we were just undercooked yesterday. Not sure what the preparation was like. Felt like we hadn't really done our homework on Brighton who, in my view, play much more like Chelsea than Burnley. Therefore, why we didn't go back to 4-5-1, why we went for 4-4-2, seemed beyond me. Aaron Moy has been their star player of the year so far. He plays in between the lines. And again, it just seemed like we hadn't done our homework. If you stopped Moy, you'd stop their creativity in midfield. We mm. didn't bother from the first minute to the last. And that, I think, was tactically naive of us and um, compounded by the formation that we played um, before we even get to the individual performances. Yeah. That that was the most worrying aspect of the game. Yeah, a number of players I think looked very pedestrian, very lethargic, uh, one of which has come into the firing line quite a lot, but we'll go on to individual performances, as you say, um, a bit later on. But Brighton seemed to be first to every 50-50. They weren't flat-footed. They were physical. They put their bodies on the line. Uh, and they were superior in nearly every single department. It's it's really worrying times. And a time where we need to be galvanising, uh, it's just not happening. At Chelsea, we saw it, and then we thought we could follow it up against Burnley. Starting to wonder whether it's a, it's a mental thing, because we're managing to pick up results against the big teams, case in point, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, play the teams we should beat, and then we're getting rolled over. The inconsistency is consistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very That's much so. pretty, pretty, pretty much all you can say. Yeah. 
win against Chelsea, superb performance. Lose against Burnley, poor. Win against, uh, draw against Arsenal, should have won, mm. arguably. Yeah. Um, great performance. Don't turn up against Brighton. So if that format keeps going, we'll probably do well against West Ham. And I forget who we've got after that. But we've got a run against beatable teams that are going to define us. Mm. And if ever there was a time for a consistency of performance mm. and a consistency of attitude as well as um, energy and togetherness these next five or six games I mean these are it Brighton were up for it because they yeah, saw the game as a they saw it as a six pointer we what why didn't we mm. you know we should have been thinking this is our cup final this is this is this matters mm. and that was also really disappointing that the players just felt you know what we'll just rock up and yeah you know we might get something and and the the sloppiness from from start to finish was just oh so depressing to watch. Yeah, it really was. So we started off with um, the back five that we expected. Of course, Simpson uh, making way for Diego Rico uh, in midfield. I mean, of course, AC Bournemouth launched their graphic, and you're thinking, you know, what formations he playing? So um, Harry Wilson, Philip Billing, uh, Dan Gosling, a return for Junior Stanislas on the other side as well, and then Solanke and King up front. Um, what did you make of the lineup when you saw it? I was encouraged that Stanislas was in the team. Yeah, me too. That's be positive. Too. You know yeah. that that I think is um, a good thing, and he's a player that we've missed. Um, he had to get a run out sooner or later. I thought they might hold him back for the cup game against Luton, but you know he got a start, and injuries and you know tiredness probably played a part in that. Um, hmm. What else? Billing and Gosling didn't work. Hmm. Um, I thought that it was wrong to play Solanke with King. Yeah. Solanke should have been on the bench and come on for King, as he did against Chelsea. Uh, we um, should have played Lewis Cook instead, I thought, or even Andrew Sermon, in view of the fact that there was so little defensive cover. Both Billing and Gosling, as it turned out, wanted to play... Uh, attacking football. Harry Wilson is obviously, as we know, good at going forwards, but not great at the back. Um, and yeah, you know, it panned out pretty horribly. Yeah, they. I mean, they scored so early on, and I. I thought that was the worst thing that could possibly happen because, like you say, Brighton are a bit more Chelsea. And credit to Graham Potter, who's got them playing really well this season. Um, uh, they were never going to be a team that would park the bus like Burnley. But then once they did score their first, then I thought, well, they they have license to do that if they want to. But I mean, to their credit, they didn't. Um, you know, they came out and attacked us, and there were. Seldom occasions where we went forward and managed to carve open chances. But once again, again, such a lack um, of a clinicalness up front. And I just I just don't know where to begin. But the first person I've got to look at, not that I want to make him a scapegoat, is Philip Billing, who I thought yesterday had a had a poor game. He didn't look like he wanted to be on the pitch. And I was reflecting on Philip Billing earlier today, wondering what is actually going on in his head at the moment. Um, he can play well. He played well against um, Chelsea, but I don't think he's got the defensive discipline or or reads the game particularly well, mm. either going forward or defensively, 
to be left as the sole defensive midfield player. He was caught upfield so many times yesterday, um, either misplacing a pass, not knowing what to do with it. So you kind of think, well, he's not a creative player, so he shouldn't be that far forward. Um, he defensively was out of position. I, I think you could say that he was he was at fault for that first goal, albeit uh, we give the ball away in their half and they counter-attack on us, but there's no one marking Moy when he get, picks up the ball and plays it through. Um, and then um, he's chasing back and nobody closes down the Iranian player whose name I can't pronounce. So mm. he gets a free shot off. And it's, it's, it was so, so sort of um, the antithesis of when we're playing well and people do put their bodies on the line. That kind of attitude sort of was was endemic and not just Philip Billing I thought throughout the team yeah. the number of misplaced passes yesterday we had a pass completion rate I read of uh, one in five wow. which is appalling That's terrible it's appalling and Rico gives the ball away for their first goal the number of times we gifted them possession Steve Cook in the first minute even before they scored just gets yeah. the ball routine ball out to Stacey just whacks it out you know totally mistimes it out into out of touch and you just think geez come on just got to pass mm. it to each other you're not going to win anything unless you can pass to each other and one of the strengths of the, our team as we demonstrated against Chelsea was good quick accurate passing yeah the bigger problem with Philip Billing is that he slows it down. He takes two or three touches every time. He's incapable of playing a first-time ball. So you don't want him as that creative engine up front. That is where you want Harry Wilson playing at the top of a diamond in midfield rather than stuck out on that right wing where you know he had, he had one shot that got deflected. Uh, he created a good opportunity for Solanke in the second half. Um where else was that creativity coming from? Yeah, I, there, I mean, there there wasn't, and I just I just would really I've said it so many times. I'd love to see Harry Wilson playing in that number ten uh, position, but Eddie's put him where he is, and uh, you know his stubbornness is is well, it's leading to results like this. Um, as you say, Philip Billing, I thought, yeah, very pedestrian at times, and slowing the game down big time, and. Trying to have a counter-attack at speed. And we just missed Jefferson Lerma. We we really missed him. And I, I know that he played his heart out on Boxing Day against Arsenal. And apparently wasn't used because of a hamstring injury. Why is he named on the bench if he's not going to be used? What's, what's the point in that? Because fans were crying out for Jefferson Lerma from sort of midway through the first half. And, you know, most of the second half. But he makes baffling decisions when he brings on Lewis Cook um, instead. I mean, you know, Lewis Cook, I don't want to diss him or whatever. He's a, he's a good player. He's creative. But he wasn't the type of player that we needed at the time. And Philip Billing should have been the man that was replaced. He wasn't. How he played that amount of minutes, I don't know. And then, um, yeah, we were Lermalus. And why is, why is he even putting him on the bench if he's not going to use him? I don't know. Um the manager is is right to be stubborn. I mean, we shouldn't underestimate what a tough job it is managing a premiership side. You know, social media, what we talk about, what all the pundits talk about. There's a lot of pressure in the Premier League. As soon as as soon as you lose one game, you're, the the sack is being called for. You know, I cannot, I cannot possibly 
um, imagine what it's like for Eddie as a manager of the club going through tough times as we are. Mm. It's not all sweetness and light. He's under a lot of pressure. And I think part of his DNA that's got him to where he's got to is a belief that he's in the right. The difficulty comes when it's clear and you talk to every Bournemouth fan who was at that game yesterday and we talked to a number, I know you interviewed a number um, afterwards, they were all of the same opinion. Mm. What is Billing doing in central midfield without Jefferson Lerma? We're half the side mm. and we certainly had no protection for that back four whatsoever. OK, he's injured, in which case play a defensive midfielder. Andrew Sermon's on the bench. You've got two defensive midfielders on yeah, the bench. Yeah. Play, play Sermon and keep Billing on the pitch if you like. But you can't you can't just leave him as the sole defensive midfielder because he's not that player. And that also, I felt, compromised what Gosling was doing because Gosling, you could see they were talking to each other through the game, moaning at each other quite yeah, a bit as well. Yeah. You should be there, not there, and you should be doing this. And Gosling, I felt, was trying to do the job of two people because he felt he had to cover for Billing not doing what he was being asked to do. Mm. And it just felt that there were those little disagreements going on all over the pitch and what that makes you think is tactically we weren't set up right the players yeah, didn't really understand the system that they were meant to be playing um it certainly didn't gel on the pitch um result we get comfortably beaten 2-0 could have been three could have been four mm, and var saved our bacon on a number of occasions although i don't know if you've seen it back yet but um obviously var this weekend i think it's been one of the worst for var um the liverpool wolves match has just finished i didn't oh. watch it but i've just been uh, reading some of the fallout and apparently it's it was an absolute state in the first half did you watch any of that game i, I saw the first half and uh, there was a, a lalana handball that would have been called a handball 95 times out of 100 I think and yeah. the ref watched it on VAR and actually changed his mind and gave the goal which I thought was bizarre and the second one was just like the one we had yesterday it was an offside from a free kick where the hand is offside and Graham Asunis rightly points out what is the point of a part of the body that can't even be used to score being offside? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's terrible. And obviously we went through our own... Um, well, it favoured us a couple of times yesterday. Uh, they made it 2-0 and then it was ruled out. Um, did you watch it back? Because I think uh, Alan yeah, Smith on Sky yeah. Sports was saying uh, it should have been allowed. Yeah, well, it was a hand offside or a toe or something. It was a body part. It was one of those. And... Mm. Um, the rules being the rules of VAR, that's offside. So yeah, you know it. It was a a fair decision, but yeah. the 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 way that VAR is being used is completely atrocious. I think because you had that decision, which consistently they've been calling that offside, so they called it offside. Okay, fine with that. Then Solanke gets brought down. Uh, Stuart uh, Dunk rather doesn't actually make yeah. any connection with the ball, and uh, the ref goes to VAR and they play on. And frankly, you know, you've got to touch a bit of the ball yeah. to make a tackle, I, I, yeah. haven't you? Ideally, yeah. <laughs> that That is clear and obvious. And it, it, that baffles me that a decision like that doesn't get overturned, which is less marginal than the offside, arguably. Mm, yeah. It makes no sense. And, it, yeah, it's a shocking day. I thought the Wolves-Man City game the other day was also shocking for VAR with yeah. the encroachment. And I read a very good comment, which I must agree with. Uh, somebody said on social media, VAR is absolutely 
the right thing. Mm. However, we didn't account for the incompetent people managing it. Yeah, of course. Oh, 100%. And we've just, we're seeing it week after week now. And I, I believe there is some kind of meeting that's going to be taking place um, where they're going to iron out these issues because there needs to be more clarity. Uh, fans are not being informed in the stadium. There are, there are lots of ways it can be improved. I thought that the Premier League would adopt VAR and make it um, a very streamlined uh, system where fans were kept in the know and it's just not it's just not working out that way but uh, Brighton did get their second goal of course and it you know worthy scorer and man of the match Aaron Moy I thought um, he was absolutely superb was really good for Huddersfield and deserved that goal and you know it didn't flatter them it, it did not flatter them one bit um, things to say about that goal Stacey was injured by that point and was hobbling on one foot, so couldn't do anything about uh, getting closer to his man for the cross. However, there were still seven people in behind that ball when it came in. Mm. You know, we had seven defenders between Moy and the goal, but yet yeah, he has acres of space, and that that's part of the problem with yesterday. I think both Mepham and uh, Cook were too. Uh, loose on their strikers so we gave them far too much time to pick up the ball and turn there was no there was no defender in the back of a striker when he collected the ball Mepham should have been on Moy when he receives that not even allow him to turn you know just be in his back don't let him turn mm. that, that's the and he, instead he's two yards off him allows him to turn and he's beaten by you know a good bit of skill but it was sloppy. It was sloppy. If I'm honest, I thought we'd actually given up on the game from minute three. We didn't mm. really, we didn't really bother. I didn't think we thought, okay, we're going to lose this, so let's just conserve a bit of energy for the next game. That's what it felt like, which is a terrible admission, I think, for a game like that. Yeah, we had a, an email from uh, Richard Jackson who um, put his thoughts into words and he said it was another disappointing result in performance yesterday, so where do we go from here? He went on to say that probably like many others, the injuries have certainly had a big impact as we know, but the results over the last 12 months, despite the injuries, have, you know, they don't lie. And any analysis of that time period will show that since what Fulham away last season, we have been on relegation form. He says, to be optimistic, the good news is that there's still 18 games left, so no need to panic yet. However, uh, there is there are some things that are worthy of consideration, one of which are the, the, the characters on the pitch. Are we lacking leaders? I mean, I know Steve Cook um, was obviously disappointed seeing his interview on AFCB.co.uk. I thought was really good because he he looked visibly upset. He said the right things and he said, you know, we deserve criticism. We are men. We can take it. But we all need to come together and unite for the West Ham game. But he was he was distraught by that performance. And um, yeah, uh, I I felt from a bit. But aside from Cookie... You're kind of looking around thinking, who else is there to G up the players? And, the, you know, there's, there's no one on that pitch that seemed to give a damn. We missed Francis yesterday. Yeah. Didn't think we'd be saying that a no, few games no, ago. But no, not at all. We, we missed his leadership and I'm hoping that he's going to be back in for the West Ham game. Mm. Uh, we need a right back to replace Stacey. It, it should be Frano and maybe that will help. Um we're we're mentally fragile. That's what we are. 
um, the games that are, are physically demanding, I think also the injury crisis, it, it, Eddie mentioned it as well, about feeling sorry for ourselves. And there was an element of that, I think, yesterday. Mm. Um, we have to get the best out of the players that we've got. We have to get the best system. And I thought when the Chelsea game happened that we'd figured that out. I thought Arsenal was, again, a, a, a bit of a turning point. Fraser mm. had a really good game. Mepham and Stacey were playing their best. I mm. thought in that game as well, from what I've seen. So you sort of feel that it's it's just not quite there. Mm. It's not happening. The lack of leadership is an issue. I think more more so central midfield. I've also got to point the finger at the strikers, right? Josh King went off yesterday, hamstring injury, yeah. allegedly. Not sure how long that's going to keep him out, but he's certainly going to be out in the next game. Right, who is going to be that centre forward Callum came on yesterday mm. yeah. you know speechless really anything to say about that performance he just looked a bit disinterested as he has done for much of the season yeah and um, yeah you know he's going to be the man I think in position against West Ham I mean they're a team where he scored a sensational goal mm. away last season so he, he likes playing against them let's see yeah. let's see if this kind of galvanises him I've got a feeling that's why he was probably rested for this game, um, you know, with that match in mind. Um, I tr- One thing I felt about, about our strikers that they were playing so far apart. It was ridiculous. There were balls that were being played. Um, I think Josh King flicked it on, but Callum Wilson was, was miles away from the ball. They were, you know, they, there was no togetherness whatsoever. Um, but even even though they may be playing um, a formation that maybe doesn't fit the game, you've got to do the basics right. And there were times in the in the last match against Arsenal where uh, you know, Callum Wilson was um, trying to do little flicks in the first half and it was, just, it was just not coming off. Just need to get the ball under control, hold the ball up. But even when we did... Brighton was so strong. They were putting a foot in and they were winning it back. Um, Callum Wilson just 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 needs to work on the te- on the technical aspect of his game. He, he used to be great at holding the ball up, like really good, really strong. Um, Josh King as well, but you know, in the Arsenal match, he gave it away on a number of occasions, and then there were times where he loitered around the edge of the box, and you just thought, absolutely get rid of it, Josh. But it it didn't happen. Solanke, I thought, um, I pull the trigger, man pull the trigger like uh, you know five years earlier than you actually do uh because he seemed yeah. to wait way too long and as uh richard uh said on on this email we're we're missing the strikers running into the channels do you remember the promotion season when um callum wilson you know bullied a decent middlesbrough defense and, and was unplayable um he he's done in the in the premier league for for a bit but um it seems like he's lost the ability to sort of you run in those channels, I always remember those balls over the top from Charlie Daniels. Just um, they at the time they seemed aimless, but like left-footed curling balls, Callum was always running into that channel. These days, it's just not happening at all. We talked a few a few weeks ago about the team lacking that sort of uh, togetherness, um, and Eddie having a man management job on. It feels to me watching yesterday that a lot of the players aren't talking to each other off mm. the pitch, let alone on the pitch. And um, I don't know what is going on inside that dressing room. I'd love to be a fly on the wall because there, yeah, oh, there, are, there are some issues going on there. Um, 
whether whether it's the players with Eddie and the coaching team, whether it's the players with each other, whether it's the players unhappy with the system, whether it's the players thinking that they want to be playing for another club and don't really want to put it in anymore. Mm. It's, it's a myriad of things, but they're not gelling as a unit at all. There were uh, brief moments of excitement yesterday. Uh, the two times when Josh got behind their back four, mm. um, but didn't finish. I mean, that was that's what Josh can do. He does run those channels and does cause problems. Um, there were uh, two moments from Solanke in the second half. One where he got um, brought down for what wasn't a penalty, but honestly, get your shot off first anyway. Mm. He had a chance to twice on that on that um, move. And then he played one in for Lewis Cook, who blazed over the bar, which was our sole effort on goal when we were chasing the game from 1-0 down, which is appalling anyway. Mm. Um, so Solanke, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's done shoot enough. I've, I've, I felt generally we looked too easy to go down and try and get a penalty or a foul yeah, yeah. rather than take the chance yesterday. And that that is not the way that we're going to breed confidence amongst our strikers or, in fact, score any goals. We've just got to have more self-belief that we can take a shot and flip in score. Yeah, I think, uh, going back to your previous point, I think the, the unity in the dressing room is a, you know, could be a big factor in what's going on because, um, obviously, Ryan Fraser's had these sort of contract negotiations that, you know, no-one really knows what's happening. He's not exactly played his way into Arsenal, uh, pricking their ears up about him anymore. Um, Nathan Ake... Maybe he's going in January. Um, even Eddie Howe himself um, has been linked with other clubs. And it seems in, in a number of positions, even Lerma's, you know, being linked. And you think, oh, my goodness, this is it's not it's not a very stable environment, it seems. And, you know, even some of the fringe players like Jordan Ibe, um, no one really knows what's happening with him. I, I saw a photo on Twitter where um, there was a couple of uh, kids, I think it's, I can't remember who it was who tweeted it, but they t- they took a picture of a couple of their kids where sort of Jordan and I look, looked like he was sort of, you know, crashing into their photo, which, which not the only time he's crashed this year, hey. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, you just kind of think, you know, what's happening with him? Um, there's, you know, there's there's a lot of things that uh, don't seem to be right at the moment. And maybe it's just bad timing. I'm not too sure what it is. Um, one thing that is an interesting point, though, that has been made, um, even though we're getting beaten a lot, uh, we're not conceding as many. I mean, it seems gone are the days whereby we're losing 4-0 and 5-0, which seem to be a regular thing uh now it's just the sort of one nils and two nils um so does that indicate that maybe defensively we we have improved and it's just our attacking flair that's completely gone i think defensively we have improved i think ramsdale made some good saves again yesterday to help keep the score down and we didn't have that goalkeeping stability uh he's been consistent if anybody's been consistent ramsdale you can guarantee we'll pull off a few good saves. Mm. Um, his distribution is a little bit haphazard. Yeah. It was yesterday. Um, but, you know, he's, pre- he's pretty good and brought a, a level of uh, confidence to the back four, which I think has helped the back four. And considering the changes we've had in the back four, they're doing pretty well, actually. Yeah. However, you're going to have to score more than one goal to win any Premier League game and, and in many games because the other side is that good you've got to score two to get a point sometimes mm. and yesterday was one of those days we never really looked like scoring even when we were 1-0 down um, 
let alone scoring two, which we would have needed to get a point. Um, it, it's not clicking. There is a case for bringing back Sam Surridge, I would say. Mm. Um, get somebody who's who's actually got a point to prove and a reputation to prove. Get him in the in the team. Bring him off the bench. Um, I think there's an argument for getting Jermaine Defoe back if that's at all yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah um, not somebody sure. who can. Somebody who can actually do a bit of magic. That's what we're missing. We mm. we don't we don't have that player who can do something special at the moment. Mm. It's it, a problem. Yeah, it's funny because uh, back a couple of seasons ago, where Lewis Cook was barely being used and everyone was clamouring for him. When he when he comes off the bench now, he, he's he's not the same player and he's not able to create um, the sort of chances like he used to and yes he does spray these wonderful balls left and right every so often but he usually uh he was used to sort of bursting through players i remember seeing his like show reel or whatever it was from um they did afcb tv did an every touch sequence from one of the matches that he played a couple of seasons ago i think it was against leicester where he just looked amazing and he was you know beating players you know bombing forward and you're kind of thinking you know what's going to happen with his england career you're starting to think well will he really have a chance anymore uh not too sure but his um he he didn't exactly uh pull up any trees when he came on and most of us were wanting Lerma but obviously this hamstring thing was was one of the uh reasons why he wasn't it, it just seems that creating chances at the moment is clearly a problem yeah as I said Lewis Cook used to be that one to to unlock the defenses but surely he needs to be played in his best his best position and persevered with. Um, you know, Jefferson Lerma has played in his role and he's fulfilled it admirably so far. Um, we we just seem to have a stubbornness of playing players where they probably shouldn't be playing. Uh, case in point, Harry Wilson as well. Yeah, can't disagree with that. Um, I think Eddie's got to just have a, a look at himself. This is a time for a big reset. Mm. Important games coming up. Yesterday is not acceptable. He knows it. Mm. The players know it from Cookie's interview. They they know it. The fans certainly do know it. And we have to get points the next five games. Yeah. That means if you've got to pull everybody together and say, right, this is my starting eleven. This is the way we're going to play. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to score goals. This is what I want you to do. And be absolutely clear about that. No more of this muddled thinking that we've had. No more of this inability for the players to motivate themselves. Everybody should be leaving nothing out there on the pitch every game because it matters. We, mm. we got to this place by hard work, imagination, creativity, scoring lots of goals. And we've totally lost that essence of what the team's been about the last few years. Um, it's really frustrating but we're also we were talking before the season started about this being our best strongest deepest Mm. most exciting squad ever so right we're looking up we're not looking down the players have to have a focus of what is the goal where are we going to be for this season what is it that we actually want to achieve and I think they're going to throw the game against Luton um, we're yeah, going to lose yeah. that. No way we're going to even bother turning up for that. It'll probably play under 21s, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, I think, but, yeah, you're right. 
everything everything's got to be about staying in the Premier League and and proving that we should be the side being talked about like the Sheffield Uniteds, the overachievers, the Wolves who have done amazingly the last few games against some of the best teams in the league. You know they're no better funded than we are, are they? Mm, mm. I, I don't think so. You know mm. we we've got a squad that's equally as valuable as a lot of those sides bubbling under the top six. Mm. Yeah, that's can where I, we should be. Mm, can I can I run something past you quickly? Um, yeah. May, May two thousand and fifteen, um, teams promoted from the championship: Watford, Bournemouth, and Norwich City. Scary. Could mm. those be the three? Um, Villa are looking precarious, mm. I would say, and albeit West Ham have just sacked. Pellegrino but yeah. they are looking iffy as well and you look at the table it is very close um, Burnley are no great team no. You could Newcastle lost uh, yesterday they can be beaten there's a there's a number of sides that can go on a run of four or five defeats like we've just gone mm. on and fall into that relegation zone so it's not over by a long way no, and I think no, exactly. Watford are Watford are more than likely to stay up, I think. Pearson's mm. got them playing. They've got two results, and look at the momentum. In fact, their Liverpool performance was the one that yeah. kick-started them. So it just takes a bit of momentum. That's yeah. what we need. I mean, we, we've we been absolutely shocking so far. Had so many defeats in a row. And if it continues... We've got to hold our hands up and say we, you know, we were not good, uh, you know, good enough for the Premier League. If we manage to somehow get a um, a win every now and then that sort of boosts us or keeps us like sixteenth, seventeenth, then you know that that can be considered incredible, you know, given how poor we are. But um, it surely cannot continue for so long. But obviously, what we don't have on our side is um, this sort of togetherness that we seem to always have, you know, together. Everything is possible, always moving forward together, all these slogans that they've got, and you feel, well, we have got a decimated squad. But one thing I've got to say is uh, one of the people who will be feeling it the most will be Eddie Howe. There are managers who um, have no affinity with the club. Uh, you know, they're clubs that will be in relegation positions um, throughout the football pyramid. And uh, if they get sacked, it's no skin off their nose. It you know it doesn't really matter. But for Eddie, there is huge amounts riding on this. Maybe even the future of the club itself. This whole training facility that we've got, the thirty-eight million. Um, any thoughts of a new stadium? Are, I'm sure are just a pipe dream at the moment. But this you know training facility, it is getting built and it will cost money. Um, and Eddie Howe will be feeling the pressure more than anyone, and he will be looking to find ways. So. I think there are a lot of um, you know disingenuous comments on Facebook forums and stuff um, where people are saying you know Eddie out, but the club's built around him. He has to stay. He has to get the job done. History tells us that he's done it before and he'll do it again. And there have been awful times where people have been mentioning the R word. They've been mentioning Eddie out um, in previous seasons, but he's always turned it around and we've done really well. Um, so I trust that he can do it again. But you know what we haven't, of course, got on our side is a full squad to to choose from hence the January transfer window you just wonder how much faith the board are going to put in him to spend good money um hopefully we won't be signing anyone from Liverpool uh because obviously they've they've not been 
doing so well for us. But yeah, he will be feeling the pressure uh, more than most. And uh, Michael said an interesting thing, actually, the other day on last week's podcast. I think I said, you know, what would be the scenario where Eddie Howe will leave? Because you've got Everton wanting people like Ancelotti, who they've now got. I know that uh, Benitez was linked with West Ham, but they've gone now for old hand David Moyes by the looks of it. And what would his next step be? And he said probably if he's being shown his cards. Um, I would hope that's not the way he leaves Bournemouth after all he's, do- all he's done. There are Facebook groups where people are calling Eddie out. Facebook Loud and Proud, which is this group which is moderated by a couple of guys one of them's over in the pond um across the pond and he he's yeah, david and he's a he's a nice guy but the other lad is some uh some teenager who said um you know if anyone has the audacity to say that eddie should stay you're being banned from the forum i mean as a moderator what kind of lad says that yeah i mean he's just obviously very frustrated uh james his name is and yeah being being a bit of an idiot there because constructive conversation is what's needed we don't need this divide amongst our supporters we're we're all frustrated um we need to come up with some con you know constructive dialogue to all unite i'm sure we will do you know ahead of west ham but how long do we give Eddie Howe? Sean said we'll stick with him even if we're relegated. What's your thoughts? Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? You, mm. you know that everybody's got an opinion and I don't dispute that any of those Facebook fans don't care as passionately about the club as we do. Everybody cares. Mm. We're all frustrated. Yeah. Lots of people yesterday... Um, that um, we talked to were disparaging about Eddie tactically. Yeah. And I think that's that's an issue. I think lots of people were saying the players don't look up for it. Again, that's the manager's job mm. to get the players up for it in the right frame of mind. However, it's only three games ago we beat Chelsea. Yeah, You, you could sense that togetherness was there. Mm. The players really wanted that victory. They got that victory. What's the difference between that performance... And yesterday's performance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, that's three games. We can do it. We've got it within ourselves to do it. The coaches and the management team have got it within themselves to pull out that sort of motivation and performance from the squad. Right. So mm. Eddie is obviously under pressure. He's doubting himself. I think he's not clearly understanding what his right decisions should be, and he's probably thinking, you know what. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not up to this. Maybe I'll jack it in. I think that's mm. that's possibly a more mm. likely scenario than him getting sacked. It's just that he cares so much about the club, but is he is he really getting the best out of the players on a consistent level? He must find it incredibly frustrating. And if he does look at himself, he's he's a great student of the game. I'm sure that he can turn this round. Yeah. I have utter faith that he can turn this round, yeah. and we will be okay by the end of this season I think anything that that avoids relegation will be a plus I think there will still be a disappointment considering the level that we believe the squad is at mm. um, you've also got to ask right sacking the manager it's an easy solution but who the hell are you going to get who's going to replace Eddie mm. and be any more successful Mark Hughes yeah no Sam Allardyce, no. The guy who's just got the bullet from Everton, absolutely no chance. Mm. The guy who's just got the bullet from Watford, no way. Yeah. We 
We've got to remember that Eddie Howe, uh, if he if he was to be shown his cards, he has experience of getting Bournemouth promoted throughout every league, League Two, League One, Championship. Um, so if if a new manager came along and and didn't do the job, then we'd be in a worse position for it because you know we would have someone that perhaps uh, you know doesn't know the club as well as Eddie does, and maybe not have that experience. Of promotion, I've got to say, like as a podcast, um, you know, I've got my own personal opinion. I'm, I'm more than happy to represent, um, you know, whatever opinions fans say. So by all means, let us know what you think. But um, I think it's right to question Eddie Howe, and it's right to, um, you know, talk about the pressure that he's under. But to say Eddie Howe, I think, is a little bit premature and a little bit hasty and I don't want to be patronising or disparaging but it does seem to be younger fans that you know seem to be saying that um there are a few older ones that have you know that have said that but um yeah you know I don't know how long they've been supporting the club and it'd be patronising for me to say that they're Johnny come ladies or anything like that um one thing we'll just close on is um Norwich City when they played, I think it was Spurs at the weekend, I think I saw a tweet from one of their players who said, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, we came up short tonight, but we left everything out on the... Yeah, I think the phrase was, we left everything out on the pitch. Um, not one Bournemouth player could say that about yesterday at all, did they? Because we didn't play like a team that left everything out there, and we don't even start the games like we mean it either. Totally agree. It, it was so lacklustre from start to finish yesterday. That is that is really disappointing. And um, yeah, it's a day and a half preparation. They were tired. You know, I'm not going to make excuses because mm. it it was it was a six pointer. That's that was a cup final yesterday. And also, uh, Brighton are flaky. We mm. if we get at them and score first, we could have won that game. But even if we'd have pulled level, it felt like there was a bounce after the VAR decision that, you know, that's the psychological boost we needed to go at them and get that goal while they're, while they're sort of thinking they should be tuning up. But there was mm. nothing there. And what we have to do is pull together. We've got to get back on track. We've got to remember what we did against Chelsea. And we've got to put in that level of performance against West Ham because they'll feel motivated to put on a job for the new manager or the manager coming in. Uh, and the fans will probably be a bit relieved that Pellegrino's gone. Mm. Now, we have to recognise that. I mean, honestly, I've lost count of the number of times that a manager's got fired just before we play them next game. It's doing mm. that head in. Yeah. You know, we seem to be the victims of all these new manager bounces as well. Um, but we've got to pull it together. We've got to go out there and deliver a performance that will make the fans proud make the manager proud and 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 give us hope So on New Year's Day, Cherries travel to the London Stadium to face West Ham United. Uh, Jeff, thoughts? I've got pretty low expectations because the performance against Brighton was so abject that if we turn up and play like that again, we're going to get beaten. 
they're going to have a new manager, the one that I always refer to as Pellegrino, and in fact he's Pellegrini, yes. not the mineral water, <laughs> yeah. uh, will uh, will have a replacement, possibly watching from the stands, but that will probably almost certainly be David Moyes. Yeah. Um, and uh, that will probably give a fillip to the players. Mm. Um certainly give a boost to the fans. I think they'll be more supportive. And we know the London Stadium can be uh, a, a library yes, <laughs> in, in its own right. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to be motivated for this game. They're on a bad run. This is a relegation six-pointer. They'll look at this as a decisive game that they have to win. And frankly, every game where that's happened this season, it's felt like we've been lambs to the slaughter and will happily oblige because we just don't turn up, and that's what I'm really worried about. Yeah, it's funny, um, got a text from uh, Tony earlier on today, Mr Tiggs, who um, pointed me towards one of his post-match interviews after the West Ham at home game, where he said uh, something along the lines of, these two teams will be all right this season. Um, not the case, hey, Mr Tiggs. Uh, I think you've been taking some advice from Tony Funnel with his uh, terrible predictions at times. <laughs> God bless you, Tony. Only joking. Um, so uh, which players would you feel should be starting and which players would you maybe give a break to? Uh, I would give a break to, uh, I'd give a break to Stacey because I don't think he can walk. Yeah. So let's yeah. not have him. Mm. I'm hoping Frano is back at right back. I think Adam Smith's probably still a bit of a distance away. So it's a back four with uh, Frano at right back and same, same uh, centre half pairing, same left back Rico uh, midfield, this is where it's got to change. Mm. You've got to bring back Lerma. We yep. know that. 100%. So he's going to absolutely play. I would like to see uh, Gosling and um, Lewis Cook in the middle. And possibly Ryan Fraser on the left and Junior Stanislas on the right. Mm. Maybe Harry Wilson coming off the bench. And I'd like to see, um, I wouldn't like to see any of our forwards playing centre forward in Josh King's absence, but mm. I think it's probably going to be Callum who gets the, yeah, the start because he right. normally scores against West Ham. So let's let's try that. Five in midfield because we know they're going to be motivated to come on to us. So we could be successful hitting them on the break pretty much like we did against Chelsea. And let's pack that midfield because that's where we were weak against Brighton. And let's um, let's give it to them. I just wonder if, um, as I said on uh, the podcast, if you've uh, heard the podcast, uh, you can download it or you can watch on YouTube. Uh, I said something along the lines of the psychology and is it a psychological thing um, about when you're playing the kind of lesser teams? And I, I just wonder if the pressure um, is off sometimes uh, when you're playing the larger sides. Now, of course, West Ham in their league position on. A particularly big side but they've got a big stadium they, they they fill it out with their season ticket holders and in some ways you know given our poor form there is no expectation at all from AFC Bournemouth fans and I don't know maybe even some of the players at times you, you start to think that so um, can you give us a crumb of comfort Jeff just to just to close why, why should we maybe look forward to this rather than look upon it as being ugh, another game because we totally wrote off the team before the Chelsea match and we played brilliantly. So 
Yeah. I think I think that this game is equally, you know, we're 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 on a hiding to nothing. We'll turn up there thinking that we're going to get rolled over three or four nil, and the players will be out to prove us wrong and prove everybody wrong. And with that attitude, they might get a result. Yeah, indeed. Jeff, great thoughts as ever. Looking forward to catching up after, well, it's going to be in a week's time, so uh, we'll know how we did against West Ham. And also, we'll see what develops of this cup run. No idea what we're going to do. Um, We could play our second string, but that's basically our first string at the moment. So, yeah, very strange. Um, Right, firstly, just want to say uh, some more thank yous for the coffees. Not really sure who I got up to last time, but um, you can support Back of the Net by um, donating a coffee or the price of a coffee um, if you go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee. It's with a company called Buy Me A Coffee, and um, it's not actual caffeine I get, but it's just a monetary value that we've managed to cover the first year's hosting of the podcast and eat into the second as well. So really appreciate everyone that's got in touch. Um, I think I got up to... Uh, Big Willie last time uh, great nickname so we've also had Stig, Stig thank you so much he bought three for us as did James Rude, cheers buddy and Nobby Dog as well, thank you so much Andy B uh, really appreciate that um, also there were a couple of anonymous ones as well um, I actually do see your name via PayPal but as you didn't put a name on the Buy Me A Coffee website um, I won't mention it just in case um, but yeah, I uh, really appreciate everyone that's got in touch and um, they've sometimes we've had messages as well of support and that's just really nice to have too. If you can't do that, I appreciate Christmas is a nightmare. Um, just leave us a review, which is free. You can do it on your podcast app or if you see this on social media, do feel free to share the post as well. In terms of do you remember, we mentioned an AC Bournemouth footballer that played... Oh, he was a legend. He was a legend. Uh, 74 appearances, 25 goals. Also played for West Ham United. It's the one and only... Well, I'll let him introduce himself. This is Steve Jones and you're listening to Back of the Net. Yes, lad. Jonah. Jonesy scores more and more. Not one, not two, not three, not... Oh, what a lad. Um, absolutely loved Steve Jones. What a striker we had on our hands in the 90s. Well... That's been the tens. We've had the noughties, we've had the tens, and it's going to be the twenties next. And uh, hopefully, the twenty twenty vision of Eddie Howe will be to keep us up in the Premier League. And it all starts against West Ham. Looking forward to that one. No, actually, I'm not really. But hopefully, we can put in a shift and emerge with some kind of decent performance, and ideally, three points too. Thank you very much for listening this decade. Really appreciate everyone that's contributed and we'll see you in the next one. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.
Football Club. Podcast Network.